0: Well um, I was privileged got a privilege, God, great privilege to see uh, especially you guys got to see a lot of you guys um, today, those of you that are playing sports. I was in some locker rooms and uh, there 's one universal smell, and uh, that is a boys locker room it doesn 't matter where you go it doesn 't matter what state doesn 't matter what sport it doesn 't matter uh Really, how old the boys are, it's just, it's just completely universal. It's the same stink, nasty smell uh, everywhere. And so, <clears throat> uh, I got to endure that for a little bit today, and uh, I'm always reminded that uh, I'm glad that I don't have to go in those all the time, because y'all, y'all smell disgusting. But, uh, hey, tonight, um, tonight, we're privileged to uh, do a couple things together. And so I know it's a school night, so I'm going to be very cognizant of your time. And uh, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of things to cover, but I've also got a lot of really exciting, really great things to, um, to show you, I think, tonight. And so tonight, we're kind of uh, soft launching our whole fall semester. We're going to do, uh, over the course of this year, we're going to take a look at, um, I guarantee you I can't afford to replace this stuff if I spill them out and do all in it. There's no way. Um, over the course of the year, we're going to look at <clears throat> uh, this book, Ten Who Changed the World. The book cost, uh, I think it cost $13 at Lifeway, um, and uh, we'll order some and have some available. We gave this book to our seniors last year that graduated in May. Uh, we gave each one of them a copy of this book, and I, I think it's a really, really great book. It's really easy to read. It's got 10 chapters, and, um, and there are profiles of, of 10 Christians who changed the world, 10 missionaries who changed the world. And so over the course of the whole year, uh, sporadically, uh, kind of in between sermon series and towards the beginning of the semester, uh, end of the semester, uh, we're going to look at <clears throat> um, the people in this book. Uh, and, and so and we're going to do, do something I think, I hope, that tells, uh, number one, an interesting story, uh, but number two, highlights some, some, some really uh, important and prolific passages of Scripture. And so tonight we're going to start with, uh, we're going to start with a guy named, William Carey, but before I get to Carey, let me just kind of ask you a couple of questions. Um, do you ever think about, I think about weird things sometimes, and because uh, I'm I'm kind of a weird, eccentric little dude, and uh, and so I think about weird things sometimes, and sometimes uh, maybe some of you are too cool to admit, it, but most of you, I think, do think of weird things sometimes. Do you ever think about the first time somebody decided to put different things together? Like, for example, like, I I just have in my mind this picture that for a long time people made peanut butter sandwiches. And they just made peanut butter sandwiches because you had bread and you had peanut butter, and I think it was probably somewhat readily available. And then somebody, at some point in time, somebody had to be the first person to go, hey, you know what can make this peanut butter sandwich even better is to add what? Jelly, Jelly, right? And then voila! Voila! The peanut butter and jelly sandwich. How many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you today brought your own lunch and in your lunch was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Anybody? You guys are all too, like three or four of you. Hey, I, I, listen, every day for lunch, I'm not kidding, okay? Every single day for lunch, from my sophomore year through my senior year, I ate three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, okay? I'm not kidding. I ate three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I had a banana. I had a fruit cup. And then I would take and I would spend $0.75 on not the little oatmeal cream pies, but the big, giant oatmeal cream pies and big, giant fudge round every single day for three years while I went to school. I brought a brown bag, and my mom put napkins in there. She wrapped the sandwiches up. She did all that stuff, okay? And so I have a great affinity for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Even today, I don't get sick of them. I could eat them all day long. I love them. What about the first time somebody ever, you know, at some point in time, somebody had you know, kind of a dry, crusty biscuit, right, in the morning, and they would maybe put some butter on the biscuit, or maybe somebody on top to talk about put some jelly. But who was the first person? Who was the first person to put some flour in a pan and cook it and then put some milk in there and then add some little pieces of sausage and make gravy and then put the gravy on the biscuit? Who was the first person to do that? Was it, were you related to them? Was it your family? It wasn't your family, was it? That would have been incredible. They've almost perfected it. But think about biscuits and gravy, man. Who was the first person to do that? Well, what are some other like combinations, things like that, that you know that they've, they existed separately and they came together? Like, what are some things that you think of like that? And ice do what? Chicken and, honey mustard. chicken and honey mustard. There you go, fried chicken. What did you say? Kool-Aid and ice cream. Kool-Aid and ice cream? I don't know. I don't think that's like a normal <laughs> thing. I don't know if that's quite on the level of... Like, I don't know if that quite makes it. Somebody else said what? What'd you say? Chicken and waffles. waffles. All right, chicken and waffles. Who else? Huh? An omelet? Okay, Yes. any ingredients? What do I think? Think outside the food. I got you all thinking about food. You're all like, huh. What goes together? Hamburgers and cheese. Cheeseburger, whoa, that'd be great. What if we had a cheeseburger? All right, what else? Anybody? Anyway, do what? Cookies and milk. There you go. Cookies and milk. Hey, here's one other food one uh, that a that, uh, candy and ice cream, right? Where would we eat without the, without the blizzard or or without the uh you know if you go to Perkins for some odd reason you know whatever like your favorite deal at Perkins I almost swung by a Dairy Queen today got me a I'm 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 hooked right Jim Burleson has me hooked on this Snickers and extra fudge. Mini blizzard. They cost $2.39. They're only about this big, and you can eat it in like four bites. But, uh, <clears throat> but, but, but Jim broson has got me hooked on this Snickers and extra, extra hot fudge, so occasionally I'll pick him up one, or I'll, he'll pick me up one, and, and that's our little gift to, to one another because we used to give each other a hard time. But uh, today I pulled up, and they have a blizzard of the month. I've never noticed the blizzard of the month before. I normally just fixate on the Snickers and, and, and keep going. But they had a blizzard of the month. It was brownie and m M&M. and M. Brownie and M M&M and M and vanilla ice cream soft. Oh man, that was great. That's a good combination. Hey, without looking at your Bible, without looking at your Bible, if I say to you, okay, so some of you this is your first time at our church and, and uh, this is not like Bible drill. Okay, so you're not, like, not going to get any points off if you don't know the answer to this question. Uh, it's cool, but there's a lot of people who've been here for and uh, so just kind of kind roll. I'm going to ask you a question. All right, I want you, right? you to raise your hand. Tell me what this passage. With Just the general thrust of this passage. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Without looking at your Bible, can anybody tell me what it is? Generally what it is and what it means. Don't be afraid to get it wrong. It's okay. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Can anybody tell me? Yes, sir. Is it, the Great it is the Great Commission. Can anybody tell me what the Great Commission states? Generally. generally okay anybody want to fill in some blanks you, you, you nailed it that's great I Miss mean, perfect Caleb did you have something <laughs> that was the um, that was the RSV the redneck standard version right there hey y'all apostles y'all go spread the word because I ain't going to be here no more <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Guys, you guys you guys nailed it. Matthew 28:18 through 20 called the great commission. All right, it's it's literally the last thing that Jesus said on earth before he ascended into heaven. Uh and we understand that to mean what? That it's the duty of every Christian to what? Be Okay, so I'm hearing different things. I'm hearing what would you say, Lainey? I <laughs> don't It was like 15 seconds ago, <laughs> and you were there, I promise, <laughs> spread, the gospel. spread the gospel, okay, which is the good news, it's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, Sydney, what'd you say? I forgot. You forgot, <laughs> that's some temporary amnesia, I don't know, over here, this is not the place to sit the day before a test, all right, <clears throat> uh, what did you say, Caleb, do you remember? Second Twitter, he has no idea, uh, <laughs> be a missionary, that's right, so, 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 That Christians, their duty is to be sent ones who go to different places and as they go uh, to take the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth, right? He says in there to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, uttermost parts of the earth. That's what the passage says. And it's generally understood, widespread, uh, and and well-known now in evangelical Christian circles that that means... That it can only mean one thing, that the job and duty of every single Christian, I understand that not everybody in this room is a Christian tonight, and that's okay. That's totally fine. We're glad that you're here. Um, we speak primarily to Christians. Uh, we do so unapologetically, but we do so hopefully in a way um, that, would, that would incline you uh, to, to, to hear and understand, and hopefully you see reflected in us some qualities uh, and some characteristics that are mentioned in the scriptures and in the life of Jesus himself. So the, the role and the duty of Christians is to, is to go and to proclaim the gospel and to, to attempt to, um, to tell people about the good news of Jesus. Right? And everybody basically agrees on that. Everybody basically agrees. If, that, if those words mean anything, that's what they mean. But the truth is that 250 years ago, that's not what the Church of, of England uh, understood, and, and the Church of England was one of the, the largest, most pervasive churches at, at that time, and, and so the British Empire is the largest empire on the, on the, on the uh, planet, uh, and thus the Church of England was everywhere that the British Empire was. And uh, Well, it wasn't everywhere, but in some places. And, um, and so th- that was generally understood that this is, uh, that's not what that passage means. But along comes a guy named William Carey. And William Carey was, an, at that time, he was an uneducated um, guy. He had an allergy to the sun. Well, it wasn't an allergy. He was very susceptible to the um, sun. And so his parents sought for him uh, a vocation that would keep him out of the sun. He became, uh, at 14, he became a, an apprentice uh, in a, uh, a, as a cobbler, somebody who made shoes and repaired shoes. Um, and in his late teens, he... Um, he uh, he became aware for the first time of his sin. He became a Christian um, into his 20s. He felt the Lord calling him into ministry. Um, he prepared. He studied under a couple of, of guys, some informal education, um, became a pastor at the age of 25, 24, 25, and then at the age of 28 became pastor of a larger church uh, where he went and he wrote a paper. Um, now, uh, things were obviously different 250 years ago in England than they are today, 270 years ago at that point uh, in the life of Kerry. Uh, and he went to a meeting, a meeting where basically people would go to discuss things, okay? So uh, we would call this a debate. They would kind of call it a debate, but it was basically a meeting of pastors and theologians and kind of smart you know, like religious-type guys, uh, and they would go to different meetings, and people would throw out topics to discuss, and the people leading the meeting would kind of decide whether or not your topic was worthy of discussion for the whole group or not. Okay? So it's kind of weird, kind of a different uh, thing. There's not really anything analogous to uh, today in art in, in that you would really understand, um, but, but you, you can understand that. You're smart people. So they go to this meeting, and Carrie throws out the topic, the idea— about the duty of Christians to evangelize the heathen. And a man that had at one point been a mentor to him says these, and these are some famous words that he says, he says, sit down, young man. He says, sit down, young man. If God wanted to save the heathen, he wouldn't use you or me to accomplish it. That God would not need you or me in his aid to do so. Because you see, the prevailing thought and the prevailing opinion at the time in the leadership of the Church of England was that there was no duty for Christians at all to tell people who did not believe and who were not of faith about Jesus at all. Not only was there no duty for Christians to do so, uh, it was against the law. It was against British law um, for any person to travel outside of Britain, um, for any other purpose than their stated and purpose, and they wouldn't let anybody go. Basically, they wouldn't allow any visas um, for religious education, or religious work. The gospel was for this chosen people. So they had taken this truth in scripture, this idea that God is completely sovereign, and that God chooses, and God moves how he will, and God draws people unto himself for salvation. They had wrongly taken that doctrine, they had become overzealous in it, and they thought wrongly, assumed wrongly, that because God was sovereign over all things, because God would control all things, that there was no missionary mandate for Christians. There was no gospel commandment to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And it didn't happen overnight, but over a course and a period of time, it became the standard practice, in fact, the stated goal the point where when Carey raises the most obvious implication from Matthew 28, the most obvious, if the text means anything, it has to mean this. He raises it, a meeting and, he's, and he's literally shouted down by the leader of the meeting, sit down, young man, and he's basically called out as a fool for his foolish beliefs. God continues to stir and work in the heart of William Carey, <clears throat> And um, William marries, marries a lady named Dorothy, he marries. He has a child. Um, the child, uh, the child, the first his first child dies at the, age, um, at the young age, uh, under the age of two. Uh, he he uh, begins to write and he he publishes his first book. Okay, in um, his first book, there's um, two really good books I want to commend to you. Number one is 10, Who Changed the World." If you want to read specifically about Carrie, there's a biography by a guy named Timothy George. There's a movie called "Candle in the Dark." You ever seen the, the movie "Candle in the Dark"? Um, it's kind of a it's a biography. It's a of him, but um, this book's by Timothy George. It's called Faithful Witness The Life and Mission of William Carey. <clears throat> I'm going to read to you the title of Carey's. So, this is like a normal book title in America, right? Faithful Witness, Life and Ten Who Changed the World. These are things you can read and understand. Radical by David Platt, you know, some of the books that you've read, uh, you, you know, d- d- different things. Um, you, you know, you know um, Roy. Green Eggs and Ham, things like that. I mean, guys, things that you can read and understand. I'm just kidding, man. I'm playing with. He's going to college next. He's a really smart guy. He, Roy, reads books on science that most of us can't even pronounce the words. Um, so here's the, um, <clears throat> here is the, here uh, is the, here is the the title of his first book. Okay, right? All right. An inquiry into the obligations of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathens in which the religious state of the different nations of the world, the success of formal understanding, undertakings, and the practical, and the, uh, sorry predictability of further, um, <clears throat> of further undertakings are considered by William Carey. That's the name of his first book. Okay? For some of you, just to read that sentence, that would be the longest piece of literature that you've read in your entire life. Right? <laughs> just to read the title of the book, you wouldn't even get to the body of the book. Um, <clears throat> but that was, that was the title... Of his first book. But basically, his first work, okay, what he was writing, okay, and what he wrote was basically an exposition or a tearing apart and and explaining the deeper meaning of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and a whole bunch of other passages. But what he was basically saying was, was, he was putting forth this idea, okay, that there is implied and expressed within the... Call of salvation on every person, the duty and the mission and a mandate for all Christians to be involved in telling other people about Jesus. And, okay, and that um, that the, that work should not be limited should not be limited to where you are. I'm going to read to you a hymn. Okay, just kind of uh, show you the the um, if I can. <clears throat> The kind of attitude of the day, all right? The attitude of the day, and uh, this, is, this is a hymn. This was a hymn written uh, in, in the time that Carrie was ministering, okay? Go into all the world, the Lord of old did say, but now where he has planted thee, there thou should stay. Go into all the world. The Lord of the old did say, but but now where he has planted thee, there thou should stay. So this is the culture in which Carrie is trying to bring forth a whole new idea, a radical idea that salvation should lead to a desire and a commandment to take the gospel of Jesus to the whole world. And now it's understood. It's completely understood. He completely, um, he completely, change, and reform the way that Christians view uh, their own salvation and the gospel mandate for all people. Now we take, in the last um, school year, we took almost 150 people on cross-cultural mission trips um, out of just our student ministry alone. We sent students to Ethiopia, to Cambodia, to Haiti, to work in five different boroughs in New York City. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we, sent, uh, we sent a couple of students, uh, some students to Honduras. Uh, and, and so we, just about 150 people from our student ministry alone, and there are hundreds of thousands of churches all across the world doing the same thing. And it all really traces back to um, a guy named William Carey. Before he even left for India, okay, before he even left to India, he, was, he left in his wake some 25 young men just from his little village who were preparing and training and seeking education and training to go and do the very same thing that he was getting on a ship for five months. He took his, he took his nine-month pregnant wife um, to India for five months, okay? Had hey, a baby there on the ship, obviously. Okay. Got in a fight with a dude. Um, he threw his wig overboard. Again, he's going illegally, uh, and so he did. He, he threw his wig overboard, and so uh, he, he's going illegally, so they get outside of the coast, he gets into a smaller boat and takes him and a couple of traveling companions, his family, and they go <clears throat> and basically sneak into Calcutta, India. All right? He had uh, spent a little bit of time. He would raised a little bit of mo- enough money to pay for him and his family to get to the place and to find lodging for about a week, and that was it. Right? So he had no support. He had no education. He had no formal training. He gets on a ship, goes across, five-month voyage to India, to a place where he's illegally there, as soon as he's, um, if he's caught there, he can be uh, immediately deported. Hold on one second. And, um, and so he goes, <clears throat> he goes to India, arrives in India, and, uh, um, and he works. Does anybody know how long William Carey labored in India for, um, before he saw his first um, convert person convert to Christianity? You want to take a guess? Raise your hands just take a guess. Five months. Nope. Anyway, who said, it? who said that? Nope. <laughs> who else? Yeah. How long? Three months. Nope. Keep going. Yep. One nope. <laughs> One day. As soon as he got, off the, boat. As soon as he got off the boat. Nope. Make it good for a move, good movie, but not so much. Three years. Three years. Nope. Longer. Longer. 17 years. 17 years. 17 years he labored in India without a single person coming to know the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 28 real quick. Matthew chapter 28. You've probably seen this verse maybe uh, maybe a thousand times. We're going to actually look back. Uh, at verse 16 to start, and I just want to show a few, um, a couple of quick things from, from Matthew 28 that, um, that William and saw that I think are true for us today. They were true for um, the church in Lancaster, England, where he ministered before he left for India, and uh, then I want to kind of tell you the rest of the story, and then we'll be dismissed. Verse 16, <clears throat> now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is the resurrected Jesus. This is after the crucifixion. He's resurrected himself. He's seen um, to, by uh, scores of people, over 500 people in bodily form. Um, and, and so there's 11 disciples left. Judas has already hung, uh, hanged himself. And, and <clears throat> Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. Um, the first thing I want you to show, I want you to notice, is if your relationship with Jesus, um, you are sided with the one who holds literally all of the power, all of it. Look at verse 18, and Jesus said to them, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There are no other realms." There is no other place in which authority exists but is, but is not held by Christ. There are two realms. There's the earthly realm and there's the heavenly realm. And Jesus is master and commander. He is Lord and supreme ruler of all things. Okay. Of all things. There's no, other, there's no other place that exists in which Jesus does not have complete and total control. Your body Your sexuality, your family, your vocation, everything about you, every single thing about you ultimately is under the authority of Jesus Christ. And for you to live your life, for you to frame your worldview, for you to make decisions and choices in a way that doesn't align with his authority in your life is to commit high treason against the one true supreme commander of all things. And at the end of your life, if you you continue to live your life in complete and total um, denial of his authority, the Bible says that the judgment that comes to you will be so well understood and so just and so righteous by yourself and every outside observer that there will be no excuse for your condemnation. But the judgment that comes to you at the end of your life, if you live your life in complete and total rebellion to Jesus and you never acknowledge his authority over your life and over all things, that when you're condemned to an eternity separated from him, it means that you'll have no excuse. There'll be no grounds for you to say, but I I, I, I was so good, but I, I I retweeted so many good things. There just won't be any excuse. But if you are in Christ, you are sided with one that holds all power, all authority, all realms. There is no place in which the sun sets or originates in which His power is not supreme. Second, there's a call and there's a charge for us to obey His commands. Verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Our job as Christians is to duplicate ourselves, is to teach other people to become little Christs. It is to grow yourself and to teach others to grow, to grow yourself and to teach others to grow, baptizing them and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Okay, it is for them to grow, it is to make disciples uh, <clears throat> and to teach. Okay. Your baptism, okay. This is what it says in this, in this book right here. It's Daniel Akin. He's a real smart guy, and I agree with him. He says he says that baptism, baptism is like the enrollment into preschool, for a, an in, for a lifelong institution of learning. the Christian life is not about salvation, getting fire insurance, and then showing everybody and being baptized. No. That baptism is an outward expression of an inward commitment in your heart, in your life to accept Christ as supreme commander over all things in your life and who you are. That baptism is an outward expression of that. It's a public joining of a family. It's a public statement against the powers and principalities that I am a Christian. I'm a believer. But it's also preschool. You know nothing. You understand nothing. You basically okay. You, 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 are, you are at the lowest level of Christian education and maturity that you could possibly be in your life, and that from there you are primarily responsible for your growth and your development. And unfortunately, um, too many churches and too many student ministries, including this one, are filled with people who have gotten older but they've never grown up. They've gotten older, but they've never grown up in their faith. And at the end of the day, you can blame it on your parents, you can blame it on your sister, you can blame it on me, but if you have access to the Scriptures, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, you're responsible for your growth. You're responsible for your growth. We're responsible as Christians for other people's growth. You see how that works? You see how it works. There's a dual responsibility. You're responsible for your own growth and your own development as a Christian, and I'm responsible for you. I'm responsible to encourage you, to admonish you, to to do everything I can to make you more like Jesus, as I make myself more like Christ. Last number three, trust in His amazing promise. Verse twenty, and behold, I am with you always, to the end of the earth, to the end of the age. I told you before, He waited seventeen years <clears throat> to make his first um, until his first uh, lady was came to know the Lord. As he was going into the river to baptize her, uh, he fell and he separated his shoulder. Okay? 17 years, he's fired up. As he goes in the river to baptize this young girl, right? Uh, she's, a, she's a teenager, a young, young girl, and he's, he's, he's been there for 17 years in one place, never seen one person come to know the Lord. 17 years, going to the river, and he falls and he breaks his shoulder. Okay? Um, <clears throat> he battled depression on numerous occasions. His first wife, Dor- Dorothy, literally went crazy. She went crazy and she died. She, she died in a insane asylum in Calcutta. Okay. Uh, he went through two wives. The second one died. He buried three children in India. Okay. He went bald in his 20s. I can relate. All right, <clears throat> He stayed in India. He ministered in Calcutta, for, uh, well, in Calcutta and the surrounding areas for 41 consecutive years. 41 consecutive years. He left uh, Britain in 1793 and he never went back. He never went back. 41 consecutive years, no break, no vacation, no furlough, no go home, raise your support, no go home, see your kids. Think about all the people, all of his friends that passed away. Think about family that passed away in 41 years. He never went back. He never went back. He set his sights on something that mattered, on something that was important and eternal, and he left. He battled dysentery. He battled malaria. At the end of his life, at the end of the life, he was claiming the promise of Matthew twenty, Matthew twenty-eight twenty. That lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the earth. Towards the end of his life, as the the um, towards the end of his life, the British government <clears throat> um, sponsored a bill in his name uh, that made it not only legal but encouraged Christian churches to send missionaries to British Empire uh, and colonies. Um, for the propagation of the gospel. And it opened the legal floodgates for something that had happened um, long before, but it opened this flood of British um, and English missionaries all across the world. And people were praising him, people were were, were extolling him, and there were being articles and, and books and things named after his honor, and there still remain to this day churches and hospitals and schools and all kinds of things um, in India named after William Carey, and on his deathbed, he had one request. He said, you speak often of Dr. Carey, Dr. Carey, Dr. Carey, but when I am gone, please speak not of Dr. Carey, but speak of his Savior. His goal remained to the final day to to make much of Jesus. I'm going to read you real quickly the words on his small, unremarkable grave there in India. It says, uh, on, on his deathbed, on his, <clears throat> the day that he died, June 9, 1834, in Sarapur, India, it says, A wretched, said, here lies William Carey, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm. On thy, con- on thy kind arms I fall. I really encourage you to pick up the book. I encourage you to pick up the book, Faithful Witness, watch the movie. But more than I encourage you to do all those things and learn more that you can about William Carey, I think it's it's prudent for us to take his advice and look not at Dr. Carey, but at his savior and rest and trust in that and try to emulate his example for us and pray for you. Father in heaven, God, thank you for these students. I thank you for the wonderful life and the magnificent um, testimony of William Carey. God, I pray that from this room you would raise up a generation of students That would do greater things, that would advance the gospel further and deeper and in a more powerful way, even than William Carey. God, I pray that out of this room you'd rise up pastors and student pastors and missionaries and pastors, wives, and educators, that you'd call and equip men and women for vocational and for for volunteer ministry that would help impact the 1.6 billion people without any access to the gospel or to the scriptures. On this planet. God help us to see and understand the work is not done. But that it exists and it begins first right where we are in our schools and our families and our homes. But God, we're still called to go to the ends of the earth. And as the opportunities for us to do so arise, God, I pray that we'd be faithful and willing to go. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, listen. Hope you had a great night. Hope you had a great week of school. Let me encourage you something, okay? Uh, there's there's a shortage, like a nationwide shortage of these bands. It's not a fan bands. We've got them here, so you can you can look at them. We expect them here Sunday. If they're not here by Sunday, we'll have them for you. By we've been guaranteed. Well, as much as you can be guaranteed, we're supposed to have them by next Wednesday. We're giving these to you as a gift. Uh, we'll talk more about them next Wednesday. We're also selling T-shirts that just say this right here, not a fan. They're black. They say not a fan. We'll sell those for ten dollars, and if they come in next week as well, we'll sell them for you then. Um, I encourage you, bring someone with you uh, starting next week. It's going to be a great, serious, a really challenging time. It should be a lot of fun. All right? Hey, have a great week. Be warm. Be filled. Be Be gone.